Hi guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host as usual. My name is Marcelo Nostroza and I'd like to welcome you to episode 110 entitled In the Writer's Room with Kai Patterson. Okay guys, this week I was extremely lucky to have a sit-down conversation with independent filmmaker and YouTuber Kai Patterson. I go in deep on what inspired him as a filmmaker, I also talk about some of his influences that he had growing up as a writer, and I also talk about his latest short film, Kalaku Kuku. I really, really hope that you enjoy this in-depth look at this independent filmmaker's process when it comes to creating film from a writer's perspective and from a director's perspective. Welcome to the Red Wall, Kai. It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Marcelo. I'm just really interested about where your film journey began because you are uh, an independent filmmaker, you're a YouTuber, you're an editor. So where did that spark of becoming a storyteller begin for you? It was honestly, uh, at such a young age, I, I don't think I've ever known life without the desire to be a filmmaker. Um, I know that when I was really little, probably around five years old, uh, my mom showed me uh, Jurassic Park and I fell in love with that movie. And I actually thought that I might want to be a uh, paleontologist for a little bit. Um, but then I, I realized that what I really loved about that film was how it transported you to a world that felt so real and like possible, but obviously dinosaurs coming back to life, like, you know, that's a dream, you know? And so it was, it was really cool to see that you could dream something and then pretty much make it reality, you know, for, for two hours at a time, you know, you could you could have an audience's attention and really believe in that reality. And that's, that's what really uh, sparked my interest. And from there, I would just, you know, make little movies with my toys and make my sisters uh, act in my movies. And uh, my parents were, were very gracious and they always supported my dreams. So, you know, I, I would use my dad's video camera to make movies and he, he would teach me some editing software and, yeah, so it's it's always been in my life. When it comes now, when it comes to developing story, what's your process? Where do you begin? Like, do you get do you get the spark of an idea and then shoot from the hip, or do you outline everything that you do? Yeah, it, it honestly depends on the project, um, but a lot of the times, um, ideas just spark in like little visual vignettes. Um, like for Caligo Cuckoo specifically, um, there was like a, a, a an image in my mind of these two people in a dark bar, you know, just like just that image sparked that that idea. Um, and, and I have a lot of uh, stories where like it's just an image that sparks the idea. And then from there, I flesh it out. Um, and sometimes it's like a really thought provoking you know, like sometimes I'll watch a TED talk and I'll like have something that like, oh, I've never thought about life that way. And now I want to like do a story where like a character has to come to that conclusion or they have to explore, you know, a world 
uh, where, you know, science is different because we're on a different planet and it has different uh, physics and stuff like that. So like just stuff like that really inspires me. So it's it's really all over the place and, and it kind of depends on uh, the goal of the story too. Because um, sometimes, you know, there's certain aspects that you need, um, you know, to actually achieve something, you know, so you, you want to ground it in something a little bit more real. And so you kind of start putting yourself in a box, you know, you're like, okay, I realistically only have the budget for, you know, one location and two actors, you know, and then from there you can kind of like flesh out like, oh, well, what's the most interesting thing that could happen between two people in a bar, you know? So sometimes ideas spark like that too, where, where I kind of have to flesh it out from a more basic level. Speaking of Kalakukuku, which is one of uh, my favorites of yours, but in reference to budget, how much did the how much did that thing cost? Because I'm looking at the thing and I'm like, it looks so fucking great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so originally, um, I was uh, I, I had an Indiegogo uh, campaign for it, and we were asking for I think around twelve thousand, um, and that's just to that was really to, to make sure everybody got paid at like the going rate for professionals, you know, right now and today with inflation and everything. And, you know, just, uh, I, I wanted to be able to do that because this is a, this film was kind of the first one where it wasn't just a bunch of friends that were helping me out. Um, it was professionals and I really wanted to make sure everyone got fairly paid. So that's what it would have cost. Uh, the Indiegogo campaign, we only, we only saw, I think about $3,000 come out of that. Um, so I had to put a few thousand into my, um, into the movie myself. And then my producer also, um, Daisy Davis, she put in some of her own money. And, uh, then I think the whole thing probably cost around 8,000, um, and there were, and there were definitely people on set who were just doing me favors as friends and helping me out. Um, and kind of the, the main core people, um, I tried to, to pay, but again, this, this project wouldn't have been able to be finished without the favors of friends and, and favors of professionals too, that, that, you know, I was able to wrangle and and work with and was really happy with all of there so i think probably around eight thousand but it should have cost more around twelve thousand okay okay what would be your advice to someone who is outside of the uh, of the indie film industry and looking to get in with no contacts uh uh little to no contacts and little to no experience uh working in the film industry like 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 how how would you go about that? Yeah, that's uh, without context. That's a really tough one, you know, because this industry really is like who you know, um, and a lot of people, you know, I think, I think the best thing is though that we have the internet now, and so you can, you know, if you just start sharing the work that you do and and things that you love, people will notice, and you can connect with people all around the world and close by too. Um, so I would say, honestly, at this point in time, like the internet is your friend, you know, get a TikTok, just start posting a TikTok where you're, you know, in your chair being like, Hey, I write stuff. I'm, I'm excited. You know, if there are other writers out here, 
come come <laughs> hang out with me. You know what I mean? Like people people want to have a community and they want to um, share work with each other. So um, best bet if you have no context whatsoever is just get on get online and start um, sharing your passions and people will congregate around you. You are a filmmaker of many facets. I was on your YouTube channel and I saw a short film that you did called Red Mission where yeah. you were where you were the writer, the director, the editor and the visual effects supervisor. Can you yes. just tell me how in the fuck didn't your head fall off? Cuz I'm like this is like crazy. You're like the uh Swiss army man, man. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Um I think, honestly, uh, I learned all those different things because I wanted to make movies, you know, like, I, I think, I think my like dream job without, without anything else attached to it would be just like a sole director, you know, like, I just want to you know, have a vision for a project and see it through all the way to the end. Um, but all those other things, um, happened out of like me just wanting to get something done and so you know i i would write stories so that i would have stories to direct and then um you know i also had a lot of uh interesting ideas swirling around in my head um i was also a philosophy major in college too so like you know i just love kind of big philosophical concepts um but yeah really i just like i don't know i i i love I love all aspects of filmmaking. I think the only thing that I don't do personally is like music. So uh, I always, I always enjoyed having friends who um, knew how to do music. Cause I'd be like, Hey, would you like to do something for my film? Um, and a lot of times um, people would say yes. And I would be very grateful for them. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I've never really thought that that's an interesting question. I've never really thought about like, how much stuff I actually do like grapple with on any given project, because I think it's just always been that way for me. Like I've just always been like, Oh, I'm, I'm creating everything because, you know, it's my vision and I want to see, I want to see my, my vision through. Um, so I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a director who like doesn't also do their own visual effects because like trying to convey your message you know, to somebody else and, and have their vision. I mean, even, I, I know that you're a writer too. Like I, I can't even imagine like as a, as a writer, I, I've never, I've never had somebody else direct my written work. You know, I always write it knowing that I'm going to direct it. So like that has got to be a weird thing too. That's the thing else that I wanted to, that I wanted to ask you about. Most of the stuff that I've seen of yours is whole cloth you from start to finish. So. Will there ever be a point in your career when you're open to helping somebody else achieve a vision that's not your that's not whole cloth yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm always uh, receptive to that. Like I, I think, like I told you, you know, my my dream is that like I would just be a director, not necessarily a writer, but obviously if you're going to direct something like it has to, it has to speak to you in a way, you know, like if I'm reading somebody else's script and like, I'm just like, it's just coming off the page and I know exactly what I want to do with it. Like that's, I think where I would totally step in and, and direct somebody else's work. Um, uh, but 
that's just kind of never been the case. Not because I don't think that other people's work will speak to me, but just because like, I think when you're starting out, you just kind of, you have to do it yourself. You know, if you want to get stuff going, you have to do it yourself. Um, and I do have, uh, my, my DP, uh, Vince Lomascolo, he, uh, he worked on Caligo Cuckoo and he's worked on pretty much all of my most recent films, but, uh, we, you know, he, he's a, he's a writer, cinematographer, director kind of guy as well. And so we've actually talked about like writing stuff for each other to direct just to kind of have that kind of, that exercise of, of directing something that didn't come from you, um, which is a, it's, it's a different experience. Um, but it's something that I would love to explore. I really, really want to get into the weeds with you in the writing process. Now, uh, as you, as you write out your story, right. Um, so are you a writer that considers less is more or do you overwrite? That's an interesting question. Um, I think I probably overwrite to begin with, but then when I'm kind of in the editing process, I really try to make it as simple as possible. Um, as you can probably tell from my other projects, like the Obi-Wan edit, I do believe that less is more. But I also believe that you need you need a starting point, you know, so like as long as you just get stuff on the page, that's the hardest part. Once you have that, then you can go and refine it. Um, and, and that's where the real magic happens. When it comes down to your action blocks, do you subscribe to the rule that if you can't describe your action blocks within three to four lines, you're fucked? Do you, are you are, are you one of those guys or, um, or no, I don't I don't think so. Um I mean, I, I am currently writing a, a feature and I have, I have a lot of action that happens in some sequences. Okay. Um, and uh, I am also kind of trying to figure out the best way to convey the uh, what's happening on screen in a way that, you know, it's also something that I imagine I would direct as well. So I think it's a little different when you're writing to direct, you are, um, it's almost like you're reminding yourself, you know, especially if you have a very specific vision. Sometimes I get really visual about like what I want to see on screen, but I know that there's a lot of directors who, when they, when they direct somebody else's writing, they almost throw out like all action, you know, especially if it's a dialogue heavy scene, they'll like cross it all out and they'll just be like, you know, I'm going to play with the actors. I'm going to see what comes naturally um, and, and see what happens when we get everyone together and we see, we have the set and now we have, you know, maybe in the script, it said that there were two couches, but maybe on the day you're like, Oh, we only have one couch. So, you know, we have to change up the blocking and stuff. So I think, you know, I think just like anything else though, probably less is more, uh, try to condense as much as you can and, and make it as specific as possible. Um, you know, you don't have to be overly verbose or anything. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's an interesting question. You know, you know, the main reason why I asked that, why I asked that um, before I met my, uh, my, my writing mentor, she told me, uh, uh, one rule that sort of changed my writing career. She told me a piece of advice that really rang true. And I think that uh, in a way you just said that she says, listen to me, write what's absolutely necessary. Everything else throw out. If you actually shoot this one day, the director that you get will help you 
will help you fill in the colors, but only write what's absolutely critical to the story. Everything else, out with the bathwater. So, so, so I tend to, I tend to su- su- subscribe to her method. There's a, there's a, there's so many writers out there on TikTok and and um, Instagram and all of social media that go, you know, you know, uh, uh, screenplays are the one thing that can be flexible, right? Everybody writes differently, but. I'm a guy that says if I'm trying to get into the industry, I can't I can't do something completely alien because the person that I'm trying to sell the idea to is going to be like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So like 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 what am I supposed to do? You bring up a good point, too. And and I'm glad that you found a a writing mentor that you really trust and and is providing you with great ideas, too, because, yeah, that uh, the the absolute necessity of the story needs to come through in your script. Um, and, and just like any other art medium, you know, like I'd say, I'd say film is a little different in the sense that like, let's say the screenwriter is like the sketch artist, you know, and then the sketch gets given to a, a painter, you know, and the director is telling the painter, you know, what, the light is and, and what, uh, you know, each stroke should be and kind of what the, um, colors that they want use and everything. Um, so, you know, as a sketch artist, you're, you're not going to be sitting there like, you know, trying to shade in where the lighting is supposed to be, you know, like that's not really your job necessarily. You're, you're giving us the skeleton of what, of, of the, the shape of the art. And then the, the next people down the line are going to be like refining it and really giving it the the polished look. But um, yeah, so I, I think that that it, it's good advice. Yeah. To like keep it as simple as possible and only include necessary things. Um, but uh, maybe on the contrary, I'm not sure if this is actually contrary, but um, I have seen scripts that like are kind of themselves a little bit of a journey and, and a little bit of like a, an art piece um, I know that like Christopher Nolan wrote um, Oppenheimer in first person, um, which is really weird. You know, usually you see scripts and it's a, it's an objective view and you're just telling people what the characters are doing. But, um, you know, Christopher Nolan wrote Oppenheimer as a, I am doing this. This is in my head. I am Oppenheimer, basically. Um, and that's, I think, really interesting and, and helps convey the kind of story that you're trying to tell. Um, could, could he do it because he's also directing it and he's a very famous director? Yeah, probably. You know, would you be able to sell a script doing that if you didn't already have a name? Maybe, but probably not. Um, so that's also difficult, too. But um, I think people I, I think as long as your story is riveting and like grips you. I don't really, I don't really know if there's anything else you need. You know, I, I think if somebody could describe their story in one sentence and I just like had to read it, it like that is already enough. The one, the one script that I read last year that gave me rickets, I found the original spec script for get out before John Krasinski uh, uh, bought the rights to it and rewrote it with his writing partner. But that original script gave me rickets because it would be like, it would be like, just like two lines on the page and then that would be it. And then, you, you know, the next page, two more lines. And it, that thing followed 
No rules. No conventional rules. Wait, wait. Are, was that um, Get Out or uh, A Quiet Place? No, A Quiet Place. Did I say okay, that? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, yeah I, I figured yeah. you were talking about A Quiet Place. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was talking about A Quiet Place. But um, thank you for catching that. But that script, that script gave me absolute rickets. But then I followed this other writer that said, you know, uh, break the rules, break all the rules, because uh, um, he basically said the weirder that your script is, the more intriguing it's going to be to, uh, uh, you know, potential buyers. I have come to the conclusion that I'm going to write the way that I write and let my stories speak for themselves and, and everything else can go out with the bathwater, basically. Yeah, and I I I'm glad you came to that conclusion because I think that's the the only advice that I really would give to people is like you know, you can you can try to please people, but it's not really going to take you where you want to go. You know, like you you want to ultimately attract the people around you that like are really interested in you and not like interested in what you think they're going to be interested in. Um, and so, yeah, and, and that's kind of something I've been struggling with too recently is I've been, I've been writing a lot of things that I am interested in. And I think sometimes I overestimate how much other people will be interested in it. Um, and I think, I think I've been like working currently on, uh, trying to start from, a really riveting one sentence pitch because ultimately, you know, when you're an up and coming artist, I think you hone your craft first, you know, you, you really, you, you get excited about what you want to create and you, you just create and create and create. And then there's a point in your career where you're like, okay, I'm either going to get a job at, you know, some corporate office, you know, and, and kind of let my dreams subside or I got to start selling my ideas. And that's kind of the crossroads I'm at right now where I'm like, I got to start selling my ideas. I got to start getting people interested. And a lot of times I think I have ideas for stories um, that I think are really interesting. And I want to like save some kind of like twist ending or reveal or something like that. And so like the way that I sell it is really hard because what's interesting is the twist, you know? And then when I start describing the pitch and people are like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess that's cool. And I like, I don't want to spoil the twist. So I don't pitch that. Then they're like, okay, great. I don't really understand why it's so crazy, you know, but like, sure. And that doesn't get people excited to like read something or be part of something. Um, so I'm kind of now exploring like the idea of, really making sure that I start with an irresistible one to two sentence pitch, you know, really flesh out everything from there. Uh, it's a new thing that I'm trying out. So maybe in a couple of years, I'll be like, no, throw that idea out. Who knows? But uh, currently I feel like because I'm like, well, I, I do need to sell some ideas if I want to start like making money instead of just continually spending money on, on my dreams. When you develop story, do you start, from, I think this would be a cool idea, you know, this genre is selling right now, or or do you come up with the idea from, oh, I think this would be really cool, and I I want to do this because I want to do it. I think I've I've kind of been 
twisting around in in different respects um, because I used to only write things when some kind of inspiration popped into my head, you know, and and I would, like I said before, you know, I, I'd be watching, you know, a TED talk or something and something would spark my interest and I'd be really excited to explore a world where that was true, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think more recently I have started to think, I mean, Hollywood is a business. And so I have been starting to, to think more in terms of like, what is selling? What's popular? What do people want to see? And who would be interested in, you know, this kind of project? Because if you can get, you know, uh, a semi big name attached to your project, whether it's an actor or a director or something, You're you know, what are the, what are they interested in? You know? Right. Um, and I, I would say that that is not enough to write something, you know, that it's not enough to uh, just write stuff for other people unless like you're hired to and you have to because it, it, you know you're being paid to that's fine but when you're trying to get something uh sold i think first it has to start with like some, uh, some story that speaks to you so deeply and personally that you have to to put it on paper and you have to share it with people um and I mean, audiences are all different. You know, that's why some, you know, some people love one movie and hate another movie. Um, So that's going to be the same thing with your ideas that you write. You know, like everybody wants to be loved by everybody, but there are going to be people that you pitch your idea to and they're not going to get it because it doesn't speak to them like it speaks to you. Um, And I think that's the most tough part about all of it is, and maybe I'm probably just speaking. Uh, I'm, I'm just being a, a therapist to myself right now. Uh, is that like <laughs> I can't please everybody, you know? And and I want everyone to love my movies, but but that's just not how things work. Um, it's mm-hmm. the right people, you know. There could be a hundred people who love your movie, but one person that loves your movie so much that like they actually can do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. So consistently just sharing um your your stories with people um people that you trust too because obviously you don't want you don't want people stealing your ideas uh and i know that that can be really tough for writers um because they they're not like fully part of the whole process you know and so they can they can be telling somebody uh something that they are excited about writing and then maybe that person takes it to somebody else and gets it made you know and that's probably doesn't happen very often but i have heard horror stories and so that is i think one of my fears too is like protecting my story at all costs but i realized lately that protecting my story at all costs has actually kept it more inside of me than it'll it'll ever see the light of day you know um so and and it's also true that like someone could have a very similar movie idea to you but your writing is going to be different, you know, like everybody writes differently and everybody directs differently. So I could, I could be given a script and one of my other director buddies could be given a script and we could direct two totally different movies based on the exact same script. You know, your, your lived experiences and your, um, 
your life basically will inform how you write and how you tell stories. And that's going to be unique only to you. Um, so again, I, I think I'm just talking to myself. Like I, I can't, I can't be so like holding on to my ideas, you know, because I, I, ideas worth sharing are meant to be shared. Who are some of your inspirations when it comes to filmmakers? Like who helped you develop your voice as a writer? Mm. I think uh, my biggest inspirations um, just in filmmaking in general are Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan. Um, and I think even recently Greta Gerwig too has been um, just like having, having such a vision, you know, like that is, is just incredible. And I, and I love that. Um, but I'd say from Steven or from Spielberg, not, I don't know him, so I'm not going to call him Steven. <laughs> Um, Mr. Spielberg. Yes, Mr. Spielberg. Um, <laughs> I what I get from his films uh, is just kind of like a sense of childlike wonder. You know, even when he's dealing with adult characters, there's there's always some aspect of the world that's that's uh, wonderful. You know, there he definitely goes into some bleak territory. You know, with like uh, Schindler's List and and other movies. But I think the ones that spoke to me were always kind of more adventure and uh you know et and indiana jones and jurassic park and um even jaws you know there something about jaws is like you know you, you feel like you're a kid playing with your toys you know you're like oh like i have this big shark and it's gonna attack these people you know and you're like it it, it like speaks to like some some child in you that like wants to see cool things happen um and then I think Nolan, I really love, and, and a lot of people I think call him like a, a cold filmmaker, you know, like a lot of his films are a, a more objective world. Um, and it's, it's more logical, um, than like a, a really emotionally told story. Um, but I think that in his logic, uh, and in, in the concepts that he brings forward are always very, very interesting, um, and so I've always wanted to be a filmmaker that, that, you know, makes the audience think, you know, makes them have a conversation, you know, when, when the, when the movie is over and you're walking out with your friends, I want my movies to be the ones where, you know, your, your friends said, wow, that was a really fun movie, but also what did you think about this? And like, Oh, like, would a, would a character do that? Like, what would I do in that situation? That's so interesting, you know? So, um, and then recently Greta Gerwig I, I think I just love her uh her her vibrant sense of the world you know and and um I haven't seen Little Women yet but uh my fiance is like you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it so I'm probably gonna do that soon um but Barbie um recently it was just like I don't know I I, I can't believe they didn't you know nominate her at the Oscars for best director because I mean that was a, a single vision that she was able to, uh, you know, get all of her actors and her set decorators and her costume designers. She got them all invested in this world. Um, and to see that vision through was, was incredible. Uh, and it was, it was such a lovely story. So yeah, those are kind of my inspirations. They're always, they're always changing, but, um, you know, I I also I feel like I have to mention George Lucas because of Star Wars, and uh, you know he's also part of Indiana Jones as well. And um, 
I, I think he he's a great uh, he's not not necessarily the best writer, um, but he definitely knows how to have really interesting concepts um, that speak to a lot of people. Uh, so I, I could only hope to uh, have that kind of uh, influence one day. George Lucas is a great idea, man. He's a he's, he he's a great idea, man. But the great thing about Spielberg is that he brings in uh, his his personal traumas, and he basically coats his popcorny films like E.T., Jaws. Every Spielberg every Spielberg film has a piece of him in it. But um, but the but the great thing that he does is that he actually hides it uh, underneath all the popcorn and all the fun. I think just in general, like as an artist too, like doing a film like is quite the commitment. It, it can take years of your life. Um, sometimes, you know, you have a script in your back pocket that you've been working on for 10 years. You know, like, I know that that happened with Inception with uh, Nolan. And uh, I think, I think it would be really tough to make something and spend you know, years of your life on it. If it didn't speak to you, I wouldn't want to work on something for years and not put a piece of it or a piece of myself in that art. Um, because what's, what's the point, you know, what, what's the point of telling a story if, if you're not part of that story? Mm -hmm. My favorite short film that I saw of yours is actually uh ready or not, not, not that yeah. ready or not by the yeah. real science guys. Ready or not by this genius, because I have a problem with the Radio <laughs> Silence guys. I'll just put it there. I'll just leave it there. Sure. But that film or that short film was really, really great because I feel that you did a great job uh, 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 with escalating the story and pushing the story forward. Every scene in that short felt like it was building on top of one another until that scene where you had a little girl go underneath the bed and you had the 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 home intruder uh basically mm -hmm. stalk her and, and that was amazing and i i really 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 enjoyed that film of of um of what i've seen of your work i thought the cuckoo was genius and that and that caused me to reach out to you because i'm such a fan of Rod Sterling and the Twilight Zone but my favorite short that i've seen of yours is that one and so i i, I appreciate that yeah so on that same note, um, do you have any plans to sort of expand any of the shorts that are on your YouTube channel or, 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 what, or is what you're working on now uh, wholly original and nothing that you have put on social media or anything like that? Yeah, all, all the, the current features that I have been working on, um, they are all wholly original. No one knows much about it unless you're in my inner circle and I've, uh, you know, asked you for advice on certain things. Um, but, you know, and, and a lot of people do ask me about uh, my short films and, and whether I would, you know, convert them into um, features or, you know, expand on them or do sequels. Um, and I think as I was making, like every time that I, tell a story i want it to stand on its own you know i don't want it to i i don't want to be like oh yeah you think this is great but like it's actually there's so much more of this story it's so much bigger like i i want you to be invested in that story in that moment and and 
that's it, you know? And I, I think I did that with the short films that I've already made. Um, I think if somebody came to me and they were like, Hey, we loved ready or not. Like we, we just like, couldn't get enough of it. We want you to, you know, develop this into a feature. I would be open to it. Um, but the way that I wrote those, I definitely, I didn't have like more to the story. I told the story that I wanted to tell and that's what it is. Um, and yeah. And, and I think, I think that it's okay to, to, you know, create shorts that are meant to be developed into features, especially when you're kind of in the, uh, the process of trying to sell it, you know, and I get why people do that. Um, I just, where I'm at in my career, I've just always wanted to, you know, tell the stories that I want to tell. And so when I have an idea, you know, that strikes, I, I want to, I want to make it and it's not, it doesn't have to do with a, a larger story. Um, and I think I try to flesh out the universes that each of my stories, uh, you know, take place in, um, so that it feels larger. Um, but that the story that I'm telling is just that story. Um, a, a lot of people even said with, with red mission that it felt like they were like, Oh, it, that, feels like it was just a, an opening to a movie and then we're about to see the rest of it. And I'm like, to me, that was the end. And I know that it's, a, it's an ambiguous ending. And, and I think some people really hate that. But to me, like, it was a devastating story about this character, Richards, who, you know, gave up everything to, you know, do a, a mission in space and uh, kind of what it, what it's like to to lose everything. Um, even people closest to you and like that, de that devastation and, and, and loneliness. Uh, cause I think my, my original inspiration for red mission was, um, I'm not sure if it was Buzz Aldrin or another astronaut, but basically there are, there are astronauts who go to these places like m the moon, but you don't actually step foot on the moon. You know, you like, you're the, you're the recon orbiter of the moon mission so you don't even get the like you you travel all this way but you don't even get the satisfaction of going onto the surface of an alien planet and uh i thought that that was just so interesting and and to me devastating you know i'm sure to the astronauts that do it they're still like wow it was it was amazing but like to me that's that's devastating and so i wanted to kind of like do a story about a guy who you know goes all the way to mars and can't even step foot on the surface and then obviously it's it's you know kind of an alien story as well um and, and like a psychological uh mystery but um yeah I, I think because of the inspiration being kind of a, a devastated man that's why it kind of ends in in a little bit of devastation um and i know that that didn't sit well with <laughs> some people who watched it but uh that that's what i was meaning to do and um i i learn a lot uh, from each film that I do. So, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the short of yours that I've seen, uh, I've really got the impression that you really enjoy open-ended, open-ended storytelling and you're, and you're not completely satisfied with giving the audience all of the answers. When you watch a film for the first time, are you able to separate the fact that you are a writer, director, and editor, or can you sort of watch a film 
and not sort of sit there and rewrite it in your own head? Uh, I think that's probably a, a curse that all entertainment yeah. people uh, face. Uh, I will say the only time that I don't, you know, think about the movie making process is when it is when a story really grips me, you know, um, if, if your opening of your movie, like puts me in the universe and, and I, I believe it wholeheartedly, I can like completely forget about the filmmaking process and be fully, um, in the story. Uh, and then I, you know, after I watch it the first time, then, you know, I'll, I'll go through, I think, Everything Everywhere All at Once was one of those movies where like it captured me in a way that let me uh, unhook my mind from from the creative process, you know. And then the more and more I thought about it, the more I was like, whoa, 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 wait, how did they do this? How did they do this? How did they do this? But in the moment, I was like really able to just like enjoy the story for what it was. Um, and that's always a huge treat because I, I feel like I don't get that very often. Um, I, even most recently, um, uh, American fiction was one of those two where I was watching it and I just got so into the story. I didn't even think at all about how it was being made. Um, and those are really fun though. I, I will say, I think sometimes stories are so good that it also brings me back into uh, creative mode. Like when I watched Barbie, I was like, man, this like this, the set design and costumes and everything is just so well done that like now I am thinking about how amazing it is that they made this. Um, and uh, so, so maybe there's like a middle ground where it's like, it's not so, so good that like I am all of a sudden now, like I can't even think about the story. I like have to analyze it um, and not like distractingly bad where I am overanalyzing it just because I'm like, oh, this could have been done better. Oh, why did they have that visual effect shot look so bad? Like, you know, over and over um, somewhere in the middle there that like is just great storytelling with, uh, with a, with a singular vision that speaks to me. To go on what you were saying, the film that really spoke to me and grabbed me and was able to take me to another place in another world in another time was Dune. I sat down mm. to watch that thing in the, in the in the depths of COVID, and it just took me away. That film just transported me, f and and that that script uh, from from a script standpoint, I go, that script is perfect. I I don't I can't find anything wrong with it. Um, which is which is, uh, I I don't know if, I don't know if that's my problem or I don't know if I'm giving Denis Villeneuve and Jonathan Spates a little bit too much credit because <laughs> what they did with Dune was amazing i'm very excited i just like you i uh i watched it too at home because of the depths of covid and uh i was also just taken to a, a whole new realm you know and and that's always very exciting um i think it's interesting though um and i don't mean to turn this interview now on you but um do you go through every interaction in life uh, with, you know, just family and friends analyzing like, oh, it, this doesn't make sense that they did this because, you know, I, you know, I don't know them to, to do things like this or blah, blah, blah. Like, do, do you do you analyze people like that? As a, as a disabled man, you, you, you have no idea. Re recently, I got I got I got labeled basically the Taylor Swift of screenplay writers 
because my but my entire existence as a writer has been to sort of make the world in my own vision this is how much of a fucking idiot i was until my 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 uh my um my screenplay writing mentor said you know what you are writing about situations that you want it that you want to experience mm. and that's fine but since you haven't experienced it the dialogue seems stilted and it doesn't make sense because you haven't experienced it i'm not telling you that you can't write a script based on a subject that you don't know about but what i want you to do is i want you to take your emotions and i want you to put your emotions into those characters and if you do that that's when your voice is going to come true and that's when it's fucking going to work mm -hmm. and you know i i you know i went away for a while and i came up with this idea based on uh based on a um based on a event that actually happened to me in high school i i wrote it i sent it to her i had half a panic attack uh and she came back to me and she said of all the stuff that I've read of yours, which is pretty much everything, this is the best thing that you've ever written. Why? Because you put your emotions into it. You put your heart into it. Mm -hmm. As a writer, I'm more of a writer that writes people talking in rooms. I would say that my life has uh, steered my writing career. It's unbelievable to me how much time I lost as a writer trying to to present a version of the world that I thought would be interesting to people when all I had to do was show people who I really am. All I want to do is tell the stories that matter to me the most. And if I inspire somebody on the way, that's fine. But, but, but it, is, it is not my intention to, to, to uh, uh, write a story with a disabled character and only write the story because there's a disabled character in it. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm I'm getting at like kind of the idea that um, you know, if you are constantly looking at at other people's scripts and analyzing, you know, oh, what, you know, that doesn't necessarily make sense to that character, blah blah blah. Um, I think that that can, that can sometimes hinder the experience of the story because just like in real life, you know, sometimes. You think you know somebody and then they say something really out of hand that you're like, I, I can't even believe that they had it in them to say something like that to me, you know, and I think you remember those moments more than you remember any other moment in your life because it's something that doesn't necessarily sit in with your normal uh, experience. And so I think that um, sometimes... I, I also get what you're saying, too, where, like, sometimes you're, like, fundamentally, that's just different from what the character stands for. You know, I had that problem a lot uh, watching the sequels and watching Luke Skywalker turn into what he ended up turning into. Um, but I also think that it is interesting to let your characters breathe in a real world. You know, sometimes people do things that they're not proud of and that can be an interesting story point 
depending on what you want to say about the character. You know, if, if you want to say that the character is good, then maybe you should make them do the terrible thing, but then watch how they react to it and watch how they, you know, change from it. Um, and if you want the character to be bad, you make them do the terrible thing and you watch how it makes them feel better about themselves and you, you know, they, they like it or they're conflicted, but they still do it anyways. You know, they almost feel like it's out of their control. You know, those, those types of things are really interesting um, when you're, when you're reading it and experiencing it on screen. Um, so all that to say is I feel like you're, your heart being in the story will uh, will help you find your voice, but then also keeping an open mind of like what your characters can do, you know, um, versus what they should do as a character. Um, I think that that distinction is important when you're writing because you can get your characters into some really interesting situations if you let them do, you know, the wrong thing the wrong thing you know yeah and and the wrong thing for the right reason yeah yeah Yeah. i mean that's why i think i think breaking bad is such an interesting show you know because you have uh kind of the story of how a good person turns into a bad person Mm -hmm. and uh and you you get to see that process throughout the entire show um and if you know and a lot of people like the walter white character like i think he's a well-written character um but he does a lot of terrible things um so i think it's it's just as interesting to people to watch uh people do things that they wouldn't do but still like you you can still see the element of humanity where it came from um Mm -hmm. and i think that's what people really want uh in in the stories that they experience on screen they they want to be able to you know experience a crazy situation through the lens of a person that they can at least relate to where you are now in your career are you conscious that a lot of the big studios want stories that 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 check boxes are are you are you at all concerned with that and do you think that that is going to hinder and do you think that that is going to hinder your storytelling in some aspects? Um, I think, I think that I am very much aware of, of the boxes that, you know, studios want to tick. I also believe that putting yourself in a box can sometimes make the most interesting, like you can end up making the most interesting choices because of those boxes. Um, like, I don't know if you saw any of the silent films that I did, um, but. Oh, I, I like... did. I did see one of them and it was the, the one about the, uh, about the aliens trying to find yeah. their home planet. That was, that was, yeah. that, was, that, was that was, that was awesome. Yeah. So, um, my, my, my mom is a drama teacher, so she, th- oh. those are her like theater kids. Um, and so every year we would do a movie with her kids to kind of like show, the movie making process to these aspiring actors and to um, you know, hone their storytelling uh, capabilities. And so I think specifically the reason why I'm such a proponent of like creative thinking within boxes is because like when you do a silent film, 
you have to think, okay, how can I convey this as visually as possible with no dialogue? That's a box that you're putting yourself in. And counterintuitively, you'd think, oh, like putting more boxes on top of you, it's going to make it harder and harder for you to like actually come up with something good. But sometimes just having those boxes can can erupt your creativity. And now you're like, oh, okay, well, how if I wanted two characters to be having this interaction, how would I show that visually so that people could understand? And that can only help your writing later because now, you know, a lot of people, they, they communicate non-verbally. So now if you've taken an exercise in creating a silent film, now as a writer, I'm thinking, okay, what can I show and not say? You know, can I have an entire scene where two actors are just giving each other looks you know, interacting with each other uh, on screen, but not saying a word. And then can I affect you in a way that you understand what they're going through together? You know, I think there are, there are some great, you know, even in like a quiet place, there are definitely whole sequences where they do just that, you know, they cannot talk. So mm-hmm. now what do they have to do? They have to explain to each other, you know, through sign language or through their facial expressions or, you know, just, just their, yeah, I think like their eyes can also say a lot. Um, So what I'm saying is, you know, with, with those experiences of being able to create uh, silent films with my mom really helped my storytelling capabilities in like knowing that if I put a box on top of myself, that's not going to stop me. That's just going to make my creativity, you know, even more. And so I think that when studios like have that like checkbox, they're like, oh, I want you to check these, these, these things. It can actually help you hone your story a little bit more and be like, okay, it's almost like a prompt, you know, like if if your writing mentor was like, hey, here's a prompt. I want you to write a short, short story and you know, they gave you a poem to like go off of and you're like, oh, whatever inspiration strikes from this poem, now you have to write a whole short film based on that, you know? Um, I I did like a writing class in college where like the teacher assigned us like an image, you know? It was just like a, a cutout of a National Geographic, you know, image and they just gave it to you and you're like, okay, now write a whole short story based on that. Um, and so I, I try to consider, you know, those studio check boxes as that kind of thing where it's, it's more of a prompt and more of like a, a creative uh, practice than like, Oh, that's holding me back. I can't do that. Like, that's not what I want in my story because ultimately you want to get stories done and to get stories done, you either have to do it yourself or you need somebody to believe in it enough to help you fund it, you know, or, or get involved in some way. Um, and if they have a few requirements, I'm like, okay, how, how can I be as creative as, as possible to solve that problem? Um, instead of, you know, letting it kind of take me back and say, oh, okay, well, if they're going to make me do these things and I'm not going to do it anymore, cause it doesn't fit, you know? Um, I think that only is justified if it like is completely changing the vision for your story. You know, I think that's when you can kind of say, no, 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 that doesn't fit with my story. But if it's something that's just like you can put in and it and it doesn't really change anything, 
um, and you can even try to enhance it with including that thing, I think that's okay. But obviously the fundamentals, that's when it gets hard. Wow, that's a really interesting answer to a question that I've asked a lot of writers. <laughs> wow, nobody's really ever answered it like that. So I applaud you on giving me such a out of the out of the box within the box answer to yeah. a question within that I've asked box. a lot of people. Wow, nobody nobody's ever taken it down that angle before. And, I, and, you know, you know, um, I love the way that because I was going to ask you if you actually work within the box, then the studio might ask you to 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 um, to to, you know, physically, physically take apart your story in directions that you uh, um, don't want to take it down. But, you know, right, right, out, right, out, right. As I was thinking that you were like. There comes a point where where you have to say enough. So there comes a point where you physically have to walk away. But wrapping up now, what's your like 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 um do do you like have a schedule uh when you write? Do you, do you write every day or do you write in spurts? Uh I I really don't have any like specific way that I write. Um but I do know that like I have been more um, cognizant of my body recently and what like um, what that like the feelings of my body tell me when to write basically because um, I think before I would write and I would just write myself in circles because I just like either was tired or you know just wasn't the, the inspiration wasn't there. Um, and so now I really try to listen to my body and like, if I have a project, I write for as long as I don't get bored. You know, if all of a sudden I'm starting to feel like my mind is like, go jump into a, a few other things. And like, I'm, I'm avoiding certain parts of my story then I'm like, okay, I need to take a break. I need to take a walk. I need to go to the grocery store. I need to experience life. You know, I need like, I need, I need to talk to friends, you know, because I think sometimes as writers, we can get like really in our head. And I think the whole, I mean, the whole reason why we write stories is because there's experiences that we want to share with people, you know, and we want other people to share those experiences. But if you aren't, you know, experiencing things on a regular basis, then there's not as much inspiration to draw from. So um, when I get like really excited about a project, I basically probably to the detriment of my relationship with my fiance, <laughs> I'll like hunker down and I just like write, 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 write. Um, sometimes I like barely even put on clothes. You know, I just, am like, I wake up, I go straight to the desk. I start writing, you know, my fiance will come home from work and be like, Oh, <laughs> Uh, are we going to do dinner or are you going to skip dinner to keep writing, you know? And like, um, so I am, I am a normal person who has obsessions, if that makes sense. Can normal people have obsessions? I probably. Oh yes, um, they can. They can. Yeah. And so I think sometimes uh, I was a very obsessive writer and I, and I've been trying more recently to, to, to trust that if I come back to it, I will actually have better ideas. You know, so I, I basically only put stuff on the page that like I feel so compelled to. 
And then when I get to a, a point where I'm like, kind of like, ah, like, I don't know, I'm avoiding it. Or like, I found that I was actually, you know, I, I checked like 10 emails, but not because I needed to check the email because I was like, oh, let me try to do something else. Then I'm like, okay, I got to stop. I got to experience the world in some way. I got to go get up. I got to cuddle with my cat. I don't know, something to like break the, you know, something to break the, the, the model, you know, and, and, and get yourself creative again. I don't know mm-hmm. if that answered your question, but that's kind of no, 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 what no, I go no, through. That, no, that answers my question. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that answers my question greatly. I, you, you really gave me an insight into how you process this as a writer and you gave me a really interesting insight about your routine and about what you go through and all that. So that's a, that's a great answer to my question. All right, guys. So on that note, that'll do it uh, for this edition of the Redwall Podcast. I would like to um, thank my guest for being such a wonderful, open, and awesome uh, interview. Uh, is there anything that you would like to promote that you have coming out in the next couple weeks or anything like that at all? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't have anything specifically coming up in the next few weeks, but I did just recently um, release the Caligo Cuckoo on YouTube. So you can look that up. Uh, you can go onto my website, kaipattersonfilms.com, and you can see all of the short films that I've done there. Uh, I also have a few like fan edits of Star Wars that you can check out there as well. Uh, and you can sign up for my newsletter uh, on my website so that you can stay up to date with all things that I'm doing. So yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. And then Kai Patterson films on all social media, except for Twitter, Kai Patterson cut because films wouldn't fit, but there it is. Uh, again, thank you so much for being here, Kai. It was an absolute honor speaking to you. I appreciate that. And, uh, this has been a blast and I would love to come on your podcast in any other time. So thank you very much, Marcelo. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. So that's a wrap on episode 110 of the Red Wall podcast. Thank you so much for staying. Thank you so much for listening to the episode for this long. And I really hope that if you are a lover of independent film or what it uh, or the trials and tribulations that it takes to make something creative from the ground up that you got something positive from this episode listen guys i know that if you've been here for a while you you sort of know the direction that i'm headed in if you listened to my last episode, and I believe my uh, uh, one before that, but I appreciate your patience as I try to take this show in the direction that I want to take it in from 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 now on. So, uh, with that being said, um, there's no set date for um, the next episode. So I will simply say, if you like what you hear and um, you happen to be on a podcast platform, because I don't share this on YouTube at all. So if you happen to be on a podcast platform and you like my interview, uh, please 
leave a star rating or a comment in the section below. And also, um, go follow Kai Patterson on his YouTube channels and his various socials to see what he has up and coming in the future. Because he because he is a really, really um he's a really innovative filmmaker with a young voice that deserves all the support that he can get. So uh, so uh, go to his, go to his socials and give him some love. But um, until next time, guys, as I say often, I'll see you when I see you. The Renoir podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.